and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Future Classics. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, David Luzader. How are you this fine evening? You're back, you know, bouncing back from sickness. Yes, no, I have survived. The rumors of my death were only mildly exaggerated. Uh, I am here and ready and excited to talk about perhaps one of the finest animated films of all time. I'm excited. And Nicole and I were talking in the pre-show that this might be really the most wholesome family thing we've ever watched, perhaps. Nicole Davis, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I was I was gonna try, try and do a cutesy robot voice, but I don't do sound effects real good. So <laughs> I should have had the Wally like queued up. Wally, that's yes. pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that's what we watched. Uh, but before <gasps> we delve into Wally and we give you a short rundown of it, we're gonna do two things. First and foremost, we want to let you know what's going on next week. Next week is Around the World. That's the opportunity for one of the hosts to pick an international film not made in the U.S. and bring it to the table so we can talk about it, expand our horizons as filmmakers. And it's my pick again. I believe last time I did Hard Day's Night. So we are going to be in a different language this time. Uh, El Mariachi. We are watching the 1992 Mexican-American. It's close enough, guys. It was filmed in Mexico. Um, Mexican-American Robert Rodriguez debut film uh, made on a shoestring budget. Really cool. Um, One thing I would recommend early on is that if this is a film that interests you and you're excited to hear us talk about it, go read the book because he wrote a book about it called Rebel Without a Crew. And that's a really good little companion piece to next week's episode. Um, I'll recommend my co-host that too. It's really good. So that's what's going on next week. But this week is Wally. Wally came out in 2008. Wally, yes. short for Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class, is the last robot left on Earth. He spends his days tidying up the planet one piece of garbage at a time. But during 700 years, Wally has developed a personality and he's more than a little bit lonely. Then he spots Eve, a slick and shapely probe sent back to Earth on a scanning mission. Smitten, Wally embarks on his greatest adventure yet when he follows Eve across the galaxy. Nicole, you brought this to the table as a future classic. It's right on the cusp. It came out in 2008. So in the last 10 years, it, it is it is eligible. Why? What? Because it's awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this is, um, it's Pixar and Pixar has a reputation that they have upheld again and again and again for uh, extremely high quality, both in the animation and in the storytelling. This particular story is visually stunning, particularly the first act that takes place on earth. Um, It is a story that has almost no dialogue for the first part of the movie. Uh, There are no human voices for the first part of the movie outside of things that are on a videotape. Um, It is, it features a lead character that is 
they have managed to make endearing almost instantaneously Mm -hmm. um, within just the first couple of minutes of watching this rusty, rickety, trash gathering and compacting robot. You are... Your your empathy is stirred for it. Uh, you're interested in what its life is like, and you know you realize that it has dreams and wants, and you wonder what it is that it's it's hoping for in life, and you suddenly hope that he gets it, and it's just this tremendous ah. Uh, it's so engrossing. I've, I find it very engaging and engrossing, and it's got this immediately sympathetic protagonist that you never dislike for even half a second. And although not intentional, it has important environmental messages. It has messages about uh, being careful not to lapse into complete, inactivity and screen dependency for humans. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just so sweet. There's a lot smart. going on, but it's so sweet. It, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly sweet. It's incredibly smart. It has all these little detail touches that I just adore. And that write up is it made me feel icky. <laughs> <laughs> A sleek and shapely probe sent back to Earth. I was like, ew. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, <laughs> For the record, I don't write these. This is Google. This is on Google. Okay. One one thing I wanna I just want to point out about this movie um, that I think is fascinating is that when Toy Story was about done, uh, a few of the people who worked on the movie got together: Andrew Stanton, John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, and Joe Ranft. And this was in 1994, and they started talking about what are some other stories we could tell? What are some other movies that we could make? And they lined up a few projects. They you know, thought of A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and the last one they thought of. And I remember this, this was in the marketing as well, which is why I recall it now. The last one they thought of was, what if mankind had to leave Earth and somebody forgot to turn off the last robot? Which is the idea that would eventually become Wally. So in 1994, they had conceived of this little guy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, that's they incredible. Wrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. And other projects got put ahead of it. And they kept on writing it until, you know, Andrew Stanton was was trying to find like a a way into the character and a way to crack it and... You know, finally had a pocket of time where there wasn't anything on the slate immediately in front of him. And he knew like four writers that were suddenly all free at the same time and he could get them all in a room and pick their brains. And so that's when he jumped on the chance to make Wally. And I think it was like 2004 or something when he did that. Yeah. And this, yeah. and I, I'm glad they didn't make it earlier because yes. if they had tried to make it earlier than they did just visually it would not be close to where it is and would not hold up it looks amazing yeah, 10 years later yeah. it looks fantastic and if they had tried to make it in 2000 
it would not look great. Uh, I think. I mean, you, know, you can look at like a look at a Pixar movie in two thousand. It looks fine. You can watch it, but it doesn't look as good as it did when you were a kid. You know, with those nostalgia goggles. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There is the scenes, especially when Wally and Eve are dancing through space and playing oh. with the stardust in the sky. Uh, it, it has a magical atmosphere to all the animation that looks like it came out yesterday. It is beautiful. Every part of it's beautiful. There's no part of this film that is remotely dated to me. And perhaps that is one of the key things, at least in animation, that might contribute to being a future classic is how well does this hold up when you watch it a decade later, two, three, four. Right. I think, I think, you know, traditional hand-drawn animation is always going to hold up better. You know, we can look at some of the early Disney stuff and it, yeah, I mean, yeah, know, that's totally fair. It's really, it's that early computer generated stuff that tends to show its age more. And this is a movie. I mean, I don't know how crazy good, it's not until we can be immersed fully in these experiences in our VR tubes uh, <laughs> that I think Wally's going to start being like, look at that quaint little thing that is Wally. <laughs> I guess what so I'm saying then is I, like, then I, then I can be the cockroach that rides around on Wally. It's going to be great. You know, if you go back, you mentioned you go back and you watch early Pixar, you know, the early Toy Stories and, the early, you know, and Monsters, Inc. and that sort of stuff. Like it looks it looks really good, but Wally is significantly uh, better. Toy, Toy Story 1, the original, they've remastered it since then. Toy Story yeah. 1, the original is they're stiff. I think that's the thing. Yeah, okay. the characters are stiff. They're very well, plastic. I'm, I'm talking like go yeah, back and watch Ants. Like, <laughs> and I know it's not a Pixar movie. It's actually a knockoff, essentially, of a Pixar movie. Wait, did Ants or um, Bugs no, Life? Ants and a Bugs Life came out almost at the same time. Yeah, it's one of those things where. Yeah, one studio is making a movie, and the other studio is like, how dare they? We'll make our own Ants movie. And that, then you get that. And then you right. get Ants with a Z. But go back and watch that. It does not hold up very well. Uh, but everything on Wally is so beautiful. And one thing I want to circle back around to is Nicole mentioned in her introduction that this is a film that doesn't have a lot of dialogue for almost a full hour in. I mean, we have a brief introduction where we can see uh, actual, you know, humans. They're not CGI doing these um, promotional videos to go get on this spaceship and take a five-year cruise. Um, but other than that, that very, very brief backstory, we don't really get any dialogue until they're on um, the Asian or not the Asian? What's it called? Axiom. axiom. The Axiom. Um, yeah. So until they're on the Axiom, and what I love about that is that this is a kids movie, and I think that is really outstanding that they were able to go that long without dialogue because it's difficult enough to make a character that can really only emote uh, compelling for over an hour before, or about an hour until th that sound comes in or that dialogue comes in. But on top of that, do that for children. <laughs> um, you have to keep in mind, like the, the capacity of children to pay attention to what's happening in front of them is non-existent. And Wally performs exceptionally well in this, in this capacity. I, well, you know, I think nonverbal communication is, kind of an inherent part of human life you know before little little babies learn how to talk you know they have to like what's the first thing that we we do you know we we cry when we want something you know kids kids are you know have, have to like, they point at stuff that they want like nonverbal communication is inherent and they just they did a really great job of of 
being able to translate that really well. Like, yeah, it's it's really easy to see what every what you know what Eve wants, what Wally wants. You know, when Wally's going around to show her and try to impress the girl he brought back to his place, and <laughs> it's uh, I could just I, let's go watch Wally. What was I talking about? That's what I. I'm just gonna go watch Wally again. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean it's so it's so beautiful. I was trying. I before I watched the special features, I couldn't put my finger on why it feels it it doesn't look like our world as we know it, but it looks like a real environment to me in the first right. act when they're on Earth. And it's because they used their, you know, their their quote unquote camera, um, you know, the angles that they decided to portray things from and how things were in focus and you know particles in the air and whatnot they made it look like it was shot with a movie camera you know as if somebody went to this environment and shot it with these creations there and they learned that because they actually brought in roger deakins to come in and talk to them about cinematography you know, and he went first, he went through uh, what people used to do, like back in the 50s and whatever, where they'd overlight the crap out of everything so that you could see every nook and cranny and corner and detail and super deep focus from the front of the stage all the way to the back or, you know, two miles away or what have you. And the way Deacons shoots things is with much less lighting and there are a lot heavier shadows. And, you know, if something moves over to the left, this part of it falls into shadow and you have these, this shallow focus where only things that are closer to the camera are in focus and stuff in the background isn't. They actually had to like work up some sort of programming um, that hadn't existed before in order to get that effect because you know the computer wants to render everything equally clearly and it's hard to get an out of focus effect with a computer is there uh, a pixar film that is as uh, c- as cinematically beautiful um I-, I don't look at toy story and think of the cinematography of toy story um is was that a landmark for them do you think i think so I'm trying to think if there's another one that I I find is because they've never had a flop. Uh-huh. Well, no, no, there's a good dinosaur. They've had one flop, <laughs> right? They have a very good track record, um, and it's always been for story. And granted, Wally has a wondrous story; it's fantastic, but it is a visually outstanding film. I, I, I would that- say, I would say, uh, modern to rival it would be Coco. The visuals in oh. Coco are are phenomenal. Um, and also, you know, of, for its time, Finding Nemo and those uh, some of those ocean underwater shots are very pretty. But I, I, I would agree this was, this was at the time that it came out, definitely the most outstanding visually. And I, I as I've said, it still holds up so very well. But I think Coco is also a feast for the eyes. Well, that's a good point, though, because I guess when I'm I'm talking less about, I guess, like vibrancy and beauty and more about like um, the prowess of the of the feigned cinematography in a way i guess and you know finding nemo might be a really good analog because it's hard to make fake things underwater right like there's a reason the worst part of your favorite video game is always when you go underwater um and finding nemo does that incredibly well 
Yes, and they they get similar. That's actually was one of Andrew Stan's inspirations for it. He was in terms of the lighting, he was thinking, you know, he he loved that translucency and the way light penetrates through the water and how you get this feeling of of depth, you know, of seeing through um you know, just a hundred feet into the water in front of you and you get that effect partly from the little particles of things that are floating right. in the water to help give it dimension. And he so, wanted that for open air. Right. So let's also talk a bit about Wally, the character. And I want to talk about the influences Aww. of different characters <laughs> of that, that are based on Wally, in my opinion. Um, so I did not know until I looked it up for this program that the same man voicing R2-D2 is the guy voicing Wally. Uh, because when I think of um, nonverbal droids that emote and make you feel emotions for them and sympathetic for them, like I go right back to R2 because R2 is the classic, like he says like four different things and they're all dude, but he says them in a certain duty way where you like know exactly what R2 is telling you and you love R2. And I feel that for Wally. Wally perhaps is a little bit more vocal because he can say his own name. He can say Eve's name. But I also think about E.T., at least aesthetically, in terms of the way his body's shaped and his long neck and the way the head is shaped. I get an E.T. Oh, this vibe from very him. strong E.T. vibes of, in the character design, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and also, and also like in the innocence of the character itself. I mean, all of these, all of these robot characters, or in E.T.'s case, an alien... Um, and Wally really kind of doubles as both in this film because they don't know really what he is or where he comes from once he gets on the Axiom. Uh, they're all very innocent. And Wally is like, is the pinnacle of, of wonderful innocence because he does have this little shack that he has, this um, this storage crate of sorts that he keeps all of these treasures. And he finds these cute little things throughout uh, his trash um compacting i suppose and he stores them all and it's just the most adorable thing he finds a beautiful engagement ring and he's so excited and he pulls the engagement ring right out and throws it away and takes the box and starts playing with the clamp and he has this growing collection of really uh of the kind of things that a child would be immensely amused by yes yeah he's got all kinds of so cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean there's so much that's conveyed just through little movements that make the character incredibly expressive. I mean, it, you know, Wally barely has a face. He's got like, <laughs> he's got those giant Disney eyes though. Yeah. He's got the oh, giant yes. binocular eyes and that's pretty much it. But he's got this, you know, very articulated neck. He's got these little eyebrows. I think those are key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hands. The hands <laughs> are very key. Okay. I, when I watched this film as a kid, it didn't click because I haven't seen this in like eight, nine, ten years, probably. Um, yes, when Brett was a kid, right? It was like twelve or thirteen. <laughs> this was back when out. I was thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't realize. Okay, and like this is like cry happy tears when, when Claire and I are watching this movie. He's practicing holding hands, guys. That's yeah. what he's doing when he's when he's watching Hello Dolly, and it's the most precious thing in the world when he gets to hold hands and he gets to teach Eve to hold hands, and it made my heart so happy. <laughs> but that's a little like emotes that he does, right? Like he's he's watching Hello Dolly and he's taking his hands and he's creating like the motion of 
opening and closing your hand to interlock it with another. And he's just sitting there doing that. Like he's preparing himself for one day being able to hold someone's hand. Yeah. Could you imagine having your entire basis of romance be Hello, Dolly? (laughs) I mean... And then Eve accidentally breaks his Hello Dobby, cause Hello 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 uh, uh, Dolly cassette. Hello thing. Dobby, that's a whole different production. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the, how did, did, did you find my script, Brett? How did you know? <laughs> Your Harry Potter fanfic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but he, but she accidentally breaks his cassette that has Hello Dolly on it, and he gets so upset, and he has to like no, rewind no, it she and, just pulls the tape out a little bit. So all yeah. I need is a little the little. And he has the pencil and, and puts sure. it back. Right. They used to sell those. They made these little devices that you could yeah. use to turn your cassette tape real without having to crack it open. Yeah. I um I, I remember when I saw this movie, I was I can't remember if I was living with him at the time. Um I don't think so. No, we, we just would have been good friends. My friend Jacob, who was in Hello Dolly, and I went and saw it with him, and you know, the movie opens with uh, the line I can't remember. I haven't seen Hello Dolly in a hundred years, so I can't remember the, the line or the, what the song is or the character. But it opens with a line from Hello Dolly, which is a character that he played in the show, and he just starts busting out laughing in the middle of this theater. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big world out there, Bartleby. But what's that? Why is that so funny? <laughs> and let's that, also talk about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. No, I said that little aside aside. But. <laughs> no, but this ties in perfectly with one of your discussion topics, which is the use of actual people. You have uh, real life people that are scattered throughout this film, including Hello, Dolly. It's yeah, a very interesting Fred, choice, isn't it? Fred Willard only ever appears as Fred Willard in his human face. Right, exactly. And right. It, yeah. it's, it works like you wouldn't think it would but it does like it's it's something i it's it, something i see south park doing right like south park it does it almost doesn't it almost in the theater i was just a little bit thrown by having the the live action human bits in this right because then when we see when we see the people who are in on the ship and in the story they're a little you know they're more shapeless kind of yeah, they're much more blobby and cartoony blobby. yeah and then yeah that- I think that helps, though, because I'm going to go full, you know, junior high English teacher here. Uh, I think that you can see a real person acting the humanity that you're most familiar with. You know, the humanity before the crash of the earth, whatever it is that happens that just turns the earth into a desolate wasteland of trash. And you see real humans in that situation where he's communicating through these, you know, ads and these relays and then you have 700 years in between and the humans just become these, you know, blobs of people. It was actually a, an idea at one point to literally make them like evolved into blobs. Um, and then they opted just to make everybody really overweight. But that was the idea. So I understand like the, the separation between like the human, the, the live action human and just like the like blob that everyone turns into. I mean, I, I think I get, you know, like what the message they're going for of like, they want, they want it to kind of hit home of like, not just feel like, Oh, it's a cartoon world. They want it to feel like, no, it's our world. And this is an exaggeration to a point, but it's like, this is like, if, if things continue on as they are, this is what the future looks like. Right. This is where we could be heading. 
sort of thing. But I think it wasn't entirely, you know, um, the message that we get a lot in America, which is that Americans eat too much. Um, but they, you know, the writers all sit down and they're like, okay, so if humanity's left the earth on cruise ships, <laughs> what would it be like to be on cruise ships for 700 years, having, you know, every need catered to, being able to eat every 20 minutes um, or on demand, never have to lift a finger for yourself because there's so many people there to do things for you. What so would robots, happen? Really? Yeah. What would happen to humanity? What would, what, what would we lose the ability to do? What would we start to look like? Well, we we forget where the pool was almost immediately. <laughs> right. And I mean, almost everyone who goes on a cruise comes off like five to 10 pounds heavier <sighs> just because they are feeding you all the time. So, you There's know, it's like, it's, it's not a surprise. Either. Like, isn't that the other thing? Like all kind of, all you can really do is eat, like eat and drink. Like that is the highlight. Um, it seems well, there are me, other things they could be doing, but they've gotten used to doing it virtually without right. leaving the chair. Right. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go hit a few golf balls and the, the hitting the balls is, you know, the, the, the robot is hitting the virtual balls and the guy's just pushing his finger. Yeah, the little robot in plaid pants and a sweater. <laughs> yeah, I love that he's dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> yeah, no, I the the cruise ship is fascinating, right? Because you you have the obvious parallels of screen dependency and um, you know people getting lazy and complacent, right? Like, there's a lot of things, perhaps, like they've lost sight of what it means to be human. And um, and that's actually, you know, we've talked about this in varying films over the last two years we've done podcasts, but there's there are totally films where the robots become more human than the humans. And that's Wally in this movie. At least until yeah, the I mean, end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we all remember uh, our our wonderful discussion of everybody's favorite movie. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember it. But the, the character is Johnny Five, whatever that movie is. Uh. But God, the you you can see in Wally the yeah I can see the inspiration of the influence of Johnny Five. Yeah. Uh, no, but I I was just wanting to bring that up for absolutely no reason no. <laughs> but I I agree that it's it does we, we do we have seen a lot of movies oh, with short a robot. circuit that just took me a second. Short oh circuit, my God, I blocked that out. I was trying not to bring. That. Oh, that's a that's a gray <laughs> area. There's some movies we've watched in the last two years, and I really just have tried. The, that's one of them. Um, continue. <laughs> uh, no, but you're right. Like it starts out where you know the robot is the robot, and as time goes on, it's like they learn to love. And in this movie, while he knows how to love, he just wants somebody to love. Right. He just right. wants somebody to hold hands with, guys. No. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, this movie. Uh, it's like the, so... the apex of romance for him. Because right, like all he knows about love and romance comes from Hello Dolly. Oh, just wait until he learns about interfacing. Uh, it's going to change his life. Stop <laughs> it. Don't be gross. <laughs> it's rather robots. Well, they kiss, though. They do have like a static electricity kiss. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Really, that's how she gets him to remember himself at the end of the movie. Um, which... That's the one part of the movie that doesn't make much sense to me, but uh, I love well, it. Oh, yeah. Last. That part of the movie doesn't make sense to you, Brett. You want to talk about 
Can we poke the potholes in Wally? <laughs> yeah. Let's no. Do that. <laughs> no. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. At what allowed. point is pulling apart a Pixar movie just really not a cool thing to do? No, that's um, pointless. Let's not do that. But yeah, I, no, I, I was delighted to discover when I went back and watched this again because I don't think I'd seen it since I saw it in the theater. And um, to discover, I, I thought of Eve as being, you know, all business and having no personality of her own until Wally starts interacting with her. And it turns out that she does because she gets dropped off on Earth and she slowly like moves up to one pile and scans it and moves over to another pile and scans it. And then when the ship leaves without her, you know, when it's dropping her off in the first place, as soon as she sees it go out of sight, she starts going top speed, zooming around the piles and spinning and, you know, doing all these turns and curves and enjoying the hell out of flying. Yeah. And Wally sees this and he's like, oh, <laughs> like, ooh, she's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, and she has, you know, the way she approaches her work or when she's dealing with uh, like management and stuff, she's kind of, like, resigned, like, yeah, okay. Like, she she likes the freedom of her job, but when she actually has to do, like, the paperwork part, she's like, oh. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, like, yes, I, boss, here Yes, it is. boss, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, can't wait to get back out in the field and fly around. <laughs> Uh, another one of the really wonderful parts of Wally are all of the little Easter eggs scattered throughout the film, and also hom- homages to sci-fi of the past as well. We can talk about all the alien stuff in here for sure. Um, but I just wanted to kind of talk about them. I put a link in our in our Slack just now, or rather in our Zoom meeting, uh, that shows all of these things. Like there's little Pixar nods, whether it's Rex from Toy Story in the background of Wally's little trash shed or all these other little things whether um the the pixar lamp is part of one of the arms of the sculpture that he makes eve when he's trying to impress eve and they're littered throughout this film in a really wonderful way and this web page only covers a couple of them but they're all over the place and it's one of the most easter egg full films i think i've ever seen it's got it's got a number there. I mean, I haven't seen Ready Player One, but I, from my yeah, understanding, yeah, that that's, what that, that's what that movie is. <laughs> yeah, um, um, Sputnik One is uh, in. The, hits him in the face. <laughs> yeah, hits him in the face. Yes, uh, there's a yeah. ton of other ones too. Oh, the the Pizza Planet truck. Uh, Eve is scanning. That, that, at one yeah, that's point. in that's in. Well, that's in every Pixar movie. That's one of the ones. Like it's like A one thirteen is in every right. single Pixar movie. Right. Or A113, whatever it is. And then my right. favorite is that for a brief moment, I thought it was Windows XP, and then I realized it's not. It's uh, like the original like Mac OS. I think it still does it. I, don't have, I haven't had a Mac in a while. Like the duh. The Mac starting sound. Yeah, does yeah. it still do that? It does? I don't, I don't know. But no, I know it's it's like when, when, Wally, when Wally fully charges. And yeah, then he plays the Mac sound. sound. I love when he is like on low charge and he is bouncing around acting all like super tired. I know. Oh, and guys, just the way when he goes to bed, he fits into a little cubby hole. And he swings how himself. Cute, how, how cute as well, I guess. <laughs> and, and I think that well, this I mean, really... I think that... Oh, no, go ahead, oh, Nicole. Sorry. 
the uh, I, I think the truck used to hold like a ton of Wally units, and now all the other ones don't work anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. So he just uses totally. his he just home. to store his his collection, which has all sorts of amazing things in it. Yep. But I mean, the two big science fiction homages, other than you know the little obvious hits in the in his design, uh, I thought were um, Star Trek the movies like when he arrives at the axiom the look and the music as he's arriving in the docking bay reminded me so much of star trek the motion picture like when they're coming into space dock and you're the just thank god that didn't go on as long as it does in star trek the motion picture (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true but there is that and then there's the very obvious both musical and visual uh, call outs to 2001 where the autopilot's got the one red light like Hal. Yes. Uh, and also so. keep in mind the autopilot is voiced by Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the autopilot is is like the the oh, Mac voice simulator. But right. the ship's voice is The ship's Sigour- voice is her, yeah. Which so is like a- enjoy the septicentennial cupcake in a cup. Yeah, 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 that's Sigourney Weaver, and as well the um, the little cockroach that Wally befriends is named Hal. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Uh, and also for a moment, I was thinking to myself, "How did they get the Macintosh boot up sound?" And I was like, "Wait, (laughs) this is Pixar, founded by Steve Jobs." Uh, There you go. Um, Yeah, they had some access there. Yeah, they got a little bit of access there. Yeah, so but I, I, what I really want to go back to very briefly. And Nicole, you touched on this a bit at the top of the program, is the efficiency in making a rusty trash uh, robot endearing. Uh, you put this in our the top of our docket. And that's what this all goes back to, is all of these little intricacies and nuances and oddities about Wally are rooted in the fact that he's just a weird little trash robot. Like, he's a very <laughs> unlikely protagonist. What, what, what I loved about watching this movie again and catching some details is the level of dirty everything is like, even when they get first get on the ship and you're kind of in the working parts of the ship, right? Like everything is still as white, but there's grime on things. And like, it's, it's obvious, you know, they've been here for a very long time. This is, they do a great job of making the world feel lived in. Like if Wally was rolling around and he was as yellow as the day he rolled off the assembly line, like it wouldn't feel right. But yeah, he's a grungy little, He's a grungy little dude and it's full of dirt. That's why Mo chases him for half the movie. Oh my God. I was just about to talk about that. My favorite robot in the movie besides Wong Mo. is, is <laughs> He's Mo. got 700 years worth of dirt on him. I yeah. know. And, and I love that all of the other robots are chasing them around because there's some horrible uh, threat and he just wants to right. clean them. Yeah. Mo just, just wants to get rid of the, the tread tracks. He wants to get rid of the contamination or, or uh, the out yeah, the foreign, foreign body or something like that. Yeah, his his name for Wally is foreign contaminant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even friending him when he goes. Yeah, when he goes for the handshake, he, Mo has to stop, clean his hand, and then shake it. Right. <laughs> and I love when they finally do befriend Mo when he finds them in a giant trash compactor room with giant Wallies. Wallies. Walla, yeah, Walla's, Walla's. Uh, the big, really giant ones that are creating, you know, giant 
uh, trash things to throw out the vent. Uh, <laughs> and they're they're huge and they are yellow, which is obviously what Wally originally was. By the way, I learned there's a Wally stuffed animal. I may or may not have purchased it. Um, <laughs> it's really cute. Oh, goodness. <laughs> They don't merchandise him enough. Uh, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Oh my god, I'd buy that. Too. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, if you want to know, like, which certain Pixar movies, you know, why is everybody's like, why do they make 14 car movies? And it's like, well, because the car movies merchandise like mad. Where right. movies like Wally, you know, Wally has some marketability, but not like a ton, and. Movies like Up certainly don't. It's like we get those beautiful gems of films that are funded by Cars Three. Also, wouldn't it be Just kind of that. weird to make a <laughs> to heavily merchandise and commercialize Wally? Like, uh, wouldn't it kind of go against the <laughs> entire nature of what they're trying to warn you of on the Axiom? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. In the movie Disney, no. Oh. Yeah, I mean, considering that you know the entire Earth is basically owned by the by and large corporation. I know it's like the big lots of corporate overlords of the future. Right? They they own everything. They own the ship. They run the ship. Every product is by and large. So. Right. And I want like they're about- teaching the babies on the ship. You know, A is for axiom. Yeah. B. Yeah. B is for bio. Your best friend. Yeah. So I also want to talk about the earth because we're never really alluded as to why humanity or how humanity destroyed it rather. But eventually we do come back to it. Um, Toward the end of the film, humanity does find its way back to earth and life does find its way to re-inhabiting earth. And I've never sat through the credit roll of Wally to watch all the little things happening in the background of them slowly... like repopulating the earth and losing weight and uh, fishing and planting trees and all these wonderful things. And at the very and the beautiful end of it, updates and art style and stuff, beautiful updates and art style. And then at the very end of that, there is Wally and Eve holding hands in front of a tree and it pans down and the tree is grown out of the boot uh, with the small plant in it from throughout the whole movie. And that's not how trees really work, but I'm cool with that. It's so cute. <laughs> So cute. Um, but I guess my question is, is does humanity just destroy it again? Like, I, this is less of the movie discussion and more of a discussion of the the musings of this film. Uh, does this become human a nature cycle? make us ruin it again? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think because this movie is optimistic and fun and cute. No, they do great. <laughs> If you want me to get realistic, that's fine, but don't make me watch Wally. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, but because I couldn't help but think the entire time, like, I, don't, I think they're just going to destroy this again. They've been pumping around space for 700 years, dropping giant trash cubes all over the place every day. But I digress. Uh, let's also talk a little bit about what else we got here in our docket. Uh, people of size actually being able to get attracted to each other and falling in love. We don't see that a lot of movies, Nicole. You're right. No, I, don't, I mean, it didn't really occur to me until this viewing where I'm just like, you know, you don't get to see that a whole lot. You don't get to see it in even in animated movies. You don't get to see it in regular movies. It's very rare that you get to see people who are larger than a you know size four if you're a woman and i don't know 30 inch waist if you're a man um to get to to 
feel like the other person is attractive and fall in love with each other. And it's just not standard. And it's nice to see it in an animated movie. Yeah. Even yeah, if absolutely. it's just like, totally these are agree. the only two awake humans on the ship who don't look at their screens every minute of the day. And they have the option to turn it off. Like, that's a crazy thing. Usually in these dystopian futures, people are locked into this, uh, you know, like catatonic state of staring at their screens and they can just press a button and turn it off, but they never do. Well, the, the, they show originally the um, ship, you know, was supposed to be humans walking around, doing around whatever. And then the, the chairs were supposed to be like for people who had problems moving around and it just kind of over time evolved into everybody just rides the chairs around. Right. Like, aren't they so convenient? Uh, I forgot where I was going with that, with that point originally (laughs) for some reason. No, I, I agree with Nicole. It's a nice thing to see. Well, another thing I do want to talk about as well is I think the sound design in this movie is really excellent. Uh, oh, good. Oh, absolutely. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. And it also, it has to be when Ben Burt does it, right? Like for those unfamiliar, Ben Burt is the guy that created all the most recognizable sounds of your youth. Uh, every Star Wars sound from the lightsaber turning on to the walker coming down, which is actually the sound of a... Uh, newspaper press, the ATATs or the ATTs. Don't they call them ADATs? That's a whole other discussion. Email us what you call ATATs. Um, but that guy is the one who created all the sounds for Wally, and he spent a ton of time in a junkyard just recording everything, and that's what he got. And also weird things, like when the cockroach is walking, how the cockroach, it's actually a handcuff just clicking, and that's what the sound of the cockroach walking. And there's so much, so many great little, like, Ben, you know, like the moments that this guy has when he's making sound design, a la Star Wars, packed into Wally. Uh, fully, fully artistry is something I am fascinated with, and I, in, in in another life, I would like to think I pursued that career. Um, but if you think whenever you are watching something that like, oh, they just, you know, they have the sound effect of a rainstorm. Uh, no, they don't. Oh, that's those horses. They just recorded horses walking. Nope. It's usually like they somehow made that sound with like a like throwing a carrot into a in, into a panini press. Like and that into makes a the sound press. of a horse. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. But yeah, fully artistry is, is amazing. Oh, well, it is. And Disney and actually built a whole bunch of devices whose only yeah. purpose was to make particular sounds. Oh, it's so cool. So, and they had ben access Burst. to that was such the perfect guy to bring into this. So just for context, he won his first Oscar in 1978 for the original Star Wars. He created all the creatures, the droids, lightsabers, everything. He's been nominated for nine Oscars since. Um, But for context, uh, so this is a quote from him to Variety in 2008. He said, on an Indiana Jones film, which is a big movie, I made about 700 new sounds. Uh, Fun fact on the side, the punching sounds in Indiana Jones is actually Ben Burt um punching meat so oh no hitting meat with a belt i think is what it is uh like raw meat um he reports on star wars i probably made about a thousand sounds per movie wally had over 2600 sounds and it's only 90 minutes long after 30 years in the business bird is still excited about adding new sounds to films like wally he started on the pick three years ago and he's needed almost every minute that's incredible (laughs) yeah i mean wally the the thing to 
remember about animation and it's easy to forget especially when it's really absorbing is you know you can't walk onto the set and record the ambient noise because there is none in an animated movie every single sound you hear has to be put in there Mm -hmm. and so you know ben burt did this amazing job of creating this whole sound environment you know what does what does the earth what does an empty earth sound like what does it sound like when Wally is, you know, rolling from one garbage pile to another? What does it sound like when he rolls into his shed? What does it sound like when he opens up the solar panels? Yeah. 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 Cause it's like, there's not like, it's not just like one rolling sound. There's like, well, he's rolling, you know, he's, then he's going to roll up this metal ramp. Then he's going to roll up over these rocks. Like all of that is like different sounds. And you know, when he's, when he's rolling with the, the busted up rollers, then when he puts on the new fancy, which he steals a dead guy's shoes. So let's take a minute <laughs> to talk about the great problem that happens in this movie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the sound design is incredible. Yeah. And one thing I really love about some of the folly work in this movie is that when Bert does these things, it's usually just him doing really weird things in public. I've learned reading interviews about him in the past. I'm fascinated with this dude. There's a really good interview with him about Wally in particular. I'll put in our show notes. But for example, the sound of Eve is him uh, running underneath a uh, three meter long radio controlled airplane. And as it whizzed over him, he would run under with the tape to get the whirring sound of Eve um, for the cockroaches handcuffs. Like I said, the sandstorm is actually him running down a hallway carrying a big heavy canvas bag and then the uh shot the um the crashing shopping carts where does that appear in the film uh when it's early on wally i think is like trying to get a shopping cart and then like a whole wall oh of yeah oh, i remember okay so yeah. that's actually him and his 10 year old daughter smashing shopping carts into a wall outside of some <laughs> poor supermarket. So uh, <laughs> that is an amazing moment too visually because there's yeah. you know the only lights coming from the front windows of the store and so there's sunlight pouring into this very dark space and all the carts come rolling down and you you know the the camera tracks Wally and the shopping carts as they move from one side of the store to the other and as it's making the turn, as you know, the the virtual camera is turning, it goes out of focus for a second, like entirely, and then refocuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's store. Yeah, it's great, and it's amazing because rather than taking you out, it actually draws you farther in because you're used to this cinematic language, and you're used to absorbing yourself into films that have th- that use this kind of cinematic language. And it's just, it's it's freaking genius. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. And as we begin the wrap down, I no. want to talk as I know, <laughs> we could talk about how cute Wally is all day long. But above yeah, how I, cute it is, I want yeah. to talk about what I found when I was really digging into Wally online. And what I found was a ton of tenth anniversary um, retrospectives this year. Uh, of Wally and how poignant its environmentalism undertones are without being overbearing so much to the point that Disney just says they don't exist. They do Disney. Come on. Um, 
<laughs> so, for example, uh, you know, Wired recently, the environmentalism of Wally, the decade's most powerful environmental film, doesn't star Al Gore or Greenpeace activists, but a trash combating, hello dolly loving robot with a cockroach or a best friend. Um, or Vox. Vox published a piece. Now is time to revisit Wally, perhaps the finest environmental uh, environmental film of the past decade. Um, a warning of unbridled consumerism wrapped in a children's tale. Pixar's film wasn't intended as a political statement, but it's powerful all the same. And I think that is really one of the key elements. I mean, there's the visuals and there's the there's the heartfelt story, but I think that has to be a key element of why it is a future classic, I imagine, for you, Nicole, right? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a part of it. You know, the director claims that the reason that it's this, you know, environmental disaster is just that he needed to come up with a reason for a robot to be left on the planet all by itself. And But I think it says a lot about where we see our environment going that that seems like the most likely scenario right (laughs) uh absolutely but let's also talk about some of the other elements for you that make it a future classic because you did nominate it um i did you mentioned cute <laughs> but you also mentioned at the top of the program that it is so impressive to be able to make a protagonist like this and have a film that doesn't have that much dialogue in the be in a vast majority yeah. of it, almost over half of it. Uh, David, all these things ring ring true for me. Do they ring true for you as well? Is this a future classic? Are we going to give Nicole the green light on this? I have to say, no, no, of course it is. <laughs> No, this movie is a future classic. I'm going to show it to my children a hundred times until they can find a way to break out of uh, the bindings. Um, but I just want, I want to take this moment to say uh, that the Pixar theory is a giant load of crap and it's stupid and uh, don't at me. That's just for our listeners. What, what is the Pixar What's theory? The- Are you doing the same yeah. thing to me at the end of the show like you did with the Bond theory? I don't know what this is. <laughs> The Pixar theory is this idea that all of the movies take place in one universe. And at some point there's a war between man and it's guys. I shouldn't even (sighs) It's because I will just, I I will get angry all over again. Okay. It's okay. I found, um, (laughs) I found Pixar theory.com, which is really going to be. Let's let's keep talking about how great Wally is. Don't look at it. No, no, no. Go. Yeah, go find like the first <laughs> promos for Wally, which weren't even bits from the film. They were just like these little one minute things of Wally fighting with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and yes, they are hilarious. So it's like one in that one minute, you're like, it's it's a robot and it's got personality and it's adorable. And I want to see what it does. You know, it's. You you already want to see this movie, even though none of the movie is in the trailer, and the trailer is only a minute long, and it features a robot and a cockroach and a vacuum cleaner. And I'm actually glad you just brought that up, though, because I did watch Bernie. Um, it's seven minutes long, or something like that. It's very short. Uh, B U R N, you know, apostrophe E, uh, and it is the or dash E, um, and it is the little guy that gets locked outside of the axiom when Eve and Wally fly in and they close the door right as he's out like welding. 
um there's a whole like like whole skit on him after that happens to him um and it was like one of those pixar shorts that they always show at the beginning of like pixar movies before even the trailer sometimes uh but bernie you can find it online that's totally worth watching i want more in the cute little wally universe i love everything about it i totally agree this is a film robot on the axiom oh my gosh yeah they're all so unique and i love the reject robots we didn't really talk a lot about them but the reject robots and the repair ward they're the best yeah, that reminded me of Westworld, actually, oh, when totally. they go into the robot repair facility. Totally. A bit, yeah. Totally. Well, I, I I'd it. also Not sign the off. Show, the, the film. <laughs> the one little makeup robot that just wants to make everybody pretty. Makes everybody yeah, pretty and, with lots of blue blush. Yeah. Right, and doesn't wait for people to respond. Just like, oh, honey, yes, I know. Oh, all it? the robots do that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, the hair and makeup robots, it's great. Oh yeah. yeah, and the painting robot. Uh but I this really is the definition of an animated future classic for me. I couldn't agree with Nicole Moore. It is and I don't like animation Yay. that much. This has been something that you guys have always harped on me for as long as I've known you. <laughs> um I it just doesn't appeal to me very often. I don't connect with it very often, but Wally is it's captivating and it's heartfelt and it makes you cry happy sad tears because it's so cute and he gets to learn how to hold hands and that's so yeah. cute so and then I, he almost dies at the end it's i just know like, no i know sad wally uh but it is such a perfect pixar movie and until i see coco this is my favorite one um, because oh, I have Coco's a feeling Coco will see my heart. So oh. Coco is one of the few movies. You're gonna ugly me. cry. Oh man! <laughs> Especially as like somebody who like has such a deep love of music, and I know yep. that. The, oh yeah, that's. And I know the movie about. is about like him connecting with his dead grandfather through music. Oh, you will see. Band for him or something like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ugly cry. How would you uh, what was that? What did you think about the Peter Gabriel song at the end of this? Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the Peter Gabriel song. It's fine. It's <laughs> it, it is. It's pretty much just fine. I'm sad. It's pretty much Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. What is um? What is that song in Tarzan? Didn't he do Tarzan, or was that that was Phil Collins? That's Phil Collins. And don't you dare try to bad Tarzan soundtrack to me. No, no. He's the better of the, he's the better of the two that came out of. That oh, group. you bite your tongue. No. <laughs> <laughs> you bite your tongue. I, no, I, I have no loss left for Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, all the way. <laughs> um, they, by the way, Disney's gotten some great. I know it's Disney Pixar, but they've gotten some great people to do music for them. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, Elton's when, better than them both. When you got Disney money, it's amazing what you can make happen. <laughs> now, actually, apparently, Peter Gabriel, I guess, met Andrew Stanton at some point and offered to do a song for him and understand just sort of sat on that offer for a few years. He's like, I don't want to waste this. That's pretty smart. <laughs> That's a Peter awesome. Gabriel IOU. You have to be very careful how you spend yes. it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Peter Gabriel gives the, I mean, I have a Peter Gabriel IOU. I'm just waiting until I have a new <laughs> podcast that really needs that Peter Gabriel sound for the opening. <laughs> uh, it also won a Grammy for it. And also I do love this quote from Peter Gabriel. Uh, as a kid, I loved animation. I'm a huge Pixar fan. I have seen Wally many times as I have young children. It's also great to work with the scorer, Thomas Newman. He wrote the best TV theme ever for Six Feet Under. I've never heard the uh, Six Feet Under theme. 
but apparently it's very, Peter it's Gabriel very simple and sort of plonky and puckish yet sad at the same time okay all right well uh, yeah i love it sure. i love it it's it's fine it's fine just like every peter gabriel song <laughs> there's there's <laughs> there's gonna be a firefight between the coal here if we don't uh sign off on this program go go listen to the last temptation of christ score and and then that you is get a good score yeah absolutely um so as we move into next week we really do all agree this this was a future classic nicole you you got Yay. the check of approval uh, next week is Around the World again. We are going to be watching El Mariachi. If you'd like to do a little bit of reading on it, you can. Rebel Without a Crew is a good read. Uh, we're switching from a big budget Pixar movie to $7,000 for a film student. Uh, but yep. don't let that sway you from it. It's a pretty good film. We're going to check it out next week. That'll do it for myself, David, and Nicole. Nicole, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter under at your word whiz, Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. And I take care of the Movie Go Round Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. I, po- I post links to every new episode. I occasionally throw extraneous stuff up there. I respond to people who post on the page if you would like to send us a message there. And I also post our polls every five weeks when we do the You Did This to Us poll and the listeners get to decide what we have to watch. And it's usually horrible, but it's, it's uh, usually they horrible. were super kind to us last time. They were. I us- finished listening and editing that episode today for what we did in the shadows. And that was a joyful film. We're not going to get that again. <laughs> <laughs> We'll but see. we do have a guest on that episode. We have actually one thing I do want to note is we have several guests moving into the future. So look for those the week before they come out. So you know who's going to be on the program. But David, you're here every week. Where can people find you? People can find me around the internet on the uh, Brokebot Mountain podcast. You can also find me on the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me there. Uh, I will also plug the Heck Yeah Comics podcast, though that's kind of in limbo, and we're trying to figure out what the future for that will be. But it's, uh, it's I'm still going to point people in that direction because there's a hundred something episodes of that. So yeah, you have an incredible backlog. Definitely check that out. And you can find me on Twitter at Rivers Rubin. You can rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher. That really helps us grow our audience and continue to interact with all of you in a really wonderful way. You can do that again on iTunes or Stitcher or email the show, moviegoround at tiltingwindmillstudios.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the program as well. We will share your feedback on the show, so please send it on over. Again, next week is going to be El Mariachi. We'll see you then.